0: hey everybody and welcome to tales from the fog i'm your host casey is the amazing and wonderful Veronica. How are you doing?
1: Fabulous. How
0: are you? I'm doing great. And today with us, we have somebody who took us down the wormhole of clairvoyance and other things. Um, he works in the aerospace industry. He loves dachshunds and runs the Temecula Valley Dachshund Club. And he's Veronica's cousin, Mr. Jim Richards. How are you, doing, Jim Richardson. I'm doing
2: great. How are you guys doing?
0: We're doing
1: good. We're here. Yeah. We're coming out of the what? year dip and dine was this it
2: was the 11th annual chemecula valley dachshund club doxy dip and dine wow so yeah
1: so 11 years in a row you've had a herd of dachshunds and their humans in your backyard
2: yes we have
0: That's incredible. <laughs> did you get a, a count this year on how many doxies?
2: so someone said they were trying to count but dachshunds they won't stand still for the count but yeah. we think it was 40 plus this year so wow yeah. i did
0: think it yeah. felt like a lot of dachshunds
2: there are a lot yeah so yeah
1: Wasn't there a year where there were like 53 dachshunds that showed up? We've had
2: over 50, so it's a little more chill now. But Mm -hmm. I think more dogs in the pool uh, than ever before. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, Yeah, they were swimming.
1: It was hot, though. Yeah. But for the first time, what felt like ever, it actually got kind of overcast, which Mm -hmm. was a nice change from a being blazing Yeah, it was
2: hot during all the yard work preparing for that, and then it was kind of cool so everybody was more comfortable. But I always tell people... uh, When I clean the filter afterwards, I have enough hair for a whole other dog. So,
1: oh my gosh, (laughs) it's pretty crazy.
2: So yeah, (laughs) but worth the effort. So that's why we keep doing it. Everyone has so much fun. Just it's worth worth doing it.
1: It's really special. I mean, the dog park is really cool because you get a small group of people and it's relaxed and it's kind of you know it's not very long. It's what a couple hours. Yeah. But this is, I mean, you can tell people think about it for a long time because the dishes that they bring and they bring you know lawn chairs and easy ups and all the food and snacks and it's just it's pretty special like you can tell that people look forward to it
2: yeah you know we have we have a core group that comes to like everything we do Mm -hmm. and you guys are more towards that end right you'll come to lots of stuff but some people come to one thing a year Mm -hmm. some people just come to the christmas parade that we do in temecula some people just come to the dip and Mm dine. so but it's definitely yeah there are people we know just because of this event
1: (laughs) That's, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. like Willow's uh, foster parents. It
2: was so, so cool seeing yeah. them. Yeah.
1: The, the sounds that she makes when she sees them. <laughs> yeah. It's not even a bark. It's more like a song. It's like a bay, almost.
0: Yeah. It's
1: very strange. You'd worry if you didn't know that it was, you know, a good thing.
0: hmm So um, I guess to start off with, is there any follow-ups with uh, Corey Chapman? Have you talked to him recently?
2: Have not talked to him recently. Um, I did, uh, I think, email him that I listened to uh, him on your podcast. And Mm -hmm. it was nice to learn more about him. Some of the stories he shared with you guys, he had shared with me previously. So it was -hmm. was really, um, really great show you guys did with him. And, you know, Mm -hmm. getting him on there and out there a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize that he was like... Like, kind of breaking the story. I yeah. mean, I thought that he had been kind of on that train for a while, but...
2: I think he was kind of doing, you know, the one person at a time thing. It's like, yeah. you, I have something to tell you. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of how it was when I met him, right? Yeah. And she's just like, okay, i got to talk to you. And, yeah, yeah like being me.
1: all fidgety about it. And it's just like, <laughs> I, have, I I, don't want to, but I have to.
2: But the, but the man has um, a gift, a severe yeah. gift. And uh, something big is supposed to happen with that. He told me he thought that, and mm. I definitely sensed that for him, and you know, yeah, I'll do what I can. I'm a supporter, I'm a believer in in the man, so definitely. Wow. That's cool.
0: it's cool we're supposed to get a reading from him, and then we'll do a follow up once we schedule that, but we haven't had a chance to schedule it with him okay. but he wants to do individual readings with us, and then we'll, we'll let you guys know when we find out what what he has to say that'll be a lot of be very interesting to see what happens with that, yep.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure I am, but like, I don't know. Just edgy about it, which isn't a good way to go into a reading uh, to be edgy about it.
0: I'm definitely the more curious, and I think she's more afraid of the emotional side of it.
1: Yeah, because um, I'm, I'm just a big old soggy mess. With like <laughs> <laughs> commercials, make me cry. I mean, I can't. I'm probably just gonna be like going through half a box of Kleenex. Just, but you know, it is what it is, and it'll be something to talk about afterwards. So.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I'm the same, I'm like you, right? A good commercial will make me cry, and I mm-hmm. I just say, wow, that commercial was designed to make me cry, and it worked. So yeah. <laughs> that person did a really good job making that commercial. But
1: then do you feel guilty about is that it, you actually fell for it? Because that's the next step for me, is I'm like, mm-hmm. I fell for it. Like, I, I'm one of the sheep.
2: I'm the kind honey. of person, I go to see a movie, I'm all in. Whatever you want me to believe, I'll believe it for you for yeah. an hour or whatever, yeah. right? So same thing. Your sixty-second commercial, okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll believe the you know the horse is going to find the dog in Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah. We're all gonna yeah. cry at the end of the commercial, <laughs> and I'm in, you know. So
1: that's interesting.
2: It's mini escapes, right? I mean, that's what. Yeah, wow. it's it is it's sometimes. suspending disbelief. Yeah.
1: But like, I don't know what it is, but like, I can't, like, I'll suspend that disbelief, but then I'll feel kind of weird about it afterwards. I'll be like. Why did I fall for that? Or I'll try to pick apart why. Maybe yeah. because I'm uncomfortable about getting so emotional about a commercial or whatever. Maybe it's a defense mechanism. I don't know. I'll ask my shrink later, but
2: Well I'm more okay. embarrassed like people see me. I'm the big six six guy, right? And I'm <laughs> sitting here tearing up at a you know, an Alpo commercial or something. It's like come on.
1: <laughs> if they only knew how important dogs are to you, then they would well, understand. Yeah. But yeah. anything, it could have been a duck, you know.
0: Forget yeah. that Sarah McLaughlin commercial.
1: Oh I can't. Ah. I can't yep. even. So, but that's interesting that, so shall we go into, so we got Corey's perspective and we read your story. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else that you want to, like, do you want to recap? Do you want to add anything? Like having listened to both sides now?
2: No, you know, I just, I just think as I've gotten older, I've evolved more and am more open to things that are going to be experiences and I don't know how they're going to turn out. Yeah. Um, you know, but like we both said, you know, I was going to just not talk to him on the flight. Then he was like, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to have this dialogue. And I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, I'm in. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just being more open minded has really exposed me to a lot more stuff like that, that otherwise I would not have been open to maybe earlier in my life. And I've always been kind of a late bloomer. And so that's, I think, part of it, too, you know, just a right place in, in life to be open to more possibilities, and, you know, mm. it's it's okay for things to not be fully explainable. I'm getting more okay with that, right?
1: What other kind of experiences have you had?
2: Um, you know, I've had lots of experiences starting from very young. Mm. Um, but, you know, as far as with um, the other side, like Corey was talking about, you know, I, I did um lose both of my parents fairly young. And when each of them passed, I had a significant experience where, um, you know, my mom passed when I was, I'm going to say 20, 21, mm-hmm. uh, was in college. And when she passed, um, I had an experience where she appeared in my doorway of my bedroom wow. um, and was kind of sending me a vibe that everything's going to be okay. I mm-hmm. was a little more scared and it was kind of like... Um, my state of consciousness wasn't, I would say, fully awake, fully aware. So it was more of a hazy. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely an experience that was not a dream. It was something more than that. Um, and so that was unique. And then when my dad passed away, I was 28 years old. And that was um, had a big impact because, you know, you're a young person. You've lost both your parents and um, you, you all of a sudden feel kind of alone in life, right? Yeah. And so I tried to go about my normal business. A couple days later, I went and played in a basketball game in an adult league in Whittier, where I was living at the time. And I got home, and I was uh, a sweaty mess, sitting on the living room floor, took off my shoes, really tired. Sitting on the living room floor, had my shoes laying over there. And all of a sudden, this is about three days after my dad passed, it got really, really cold in the room. And I could just, like, feel some energy, Mm -hmm. like, approaching me or coming to me or through me, and and one of my shoes that was laying sideways on the floor just stood straight up.
1: And it was just
2: like this physical thing happened right in front of me that, you know, I passed all my physics classes, that can't happen. That just can't happen. So that, and that was a complete awake experience where I'm observing something impossible happening, mm-hmm. and, you know, that, that just made me a total believer that there's something else out there uh, parallel to this or aside from this that's real so
1: did that affect the way that you see the world from like from an analytical or from an engineer perspective
2: yeah it did I mean I like I say I tend to be more open-minded about things and realize that the the thing the human race understands is a teeny tiny fraction of of comprehension right So we can't even, uh, you know, imagine, right? And so I think that's what, you know, the other side is. It's that full comprehension. Corey talked about this, right? Yeah. That, um, you know, there's no more learning. You just, you have that full comprehension at that point. So I believe that. I mean, it's, I enjoy learning and experiencing uh-huh. things, but I'm becoming more okay with, you know, this is unexplained for right now, and it's neat to think about it in that yeah. context, too. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Right.
2: Then I did have one more um, experience that that is uh, similar. Mm-hmm. And this is why when I, I found it interesting, you asked Corey when you talked to him, did you ever experience a spirit that wasn't human?
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
2: Because one of the first things I asked him on the airplane was, "Do dogs have spirits? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Are, are they there too?" Yeah. He he paused and. The way he said yes made me made me think that it's it's a little different, but not yeah. uh, out of the question. Yeah. Because um, I was on travel to Washington, D.C. on a trip, um, and one of my dogs, Petey, passed away yeah. while I was on that trip, and this was on maybe, um, I don't know, a Wednesday night, um, and Janice called me and said, "Hey, P.D. passed away at the vet," and I heartbroken from that, mm-hmm. um, not being able to be home. Yeah. But um, the next morning in my hotel, again, I'm down having my breakfast, and I'm almost done with my breakfast. And sent you a written account of this because um, I started documenting the oddness, so I would not lose it. But I read <laughs> it recently, so I'm pretty sure this is <laughs> this is this is accurate, but. I had some fruit on my plate, and all, all of a sudden I'm having breakfast. I'm finishing up, and again, it gets really, really cold in this restaurant. And I'm, like, looking around. No one else seems cold. I'm really cold. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I had some blueberries on my plate, and they started ro- accelerating and rolling across the plate <laughs> from this little, little pile of remaining fruit. So mm-hmm. one rolled across, and I looked at it, and I'm going, oh, my God you know, note the engineer, note the time. (laughs) Do I have a camera with me? Right. Yeah. Um, So then I'm just staring at it. And then another one starts going in a slightly different direction. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, it's, it's not like uh, the ventilation is blowing fruit across my (laughs) foot. This is something. And so then finally I'm looking at it and, and a third one, a bigger one, just really accelerated fast where you're Mm -hmm. going, okay, that is, really off the charts right (laughs) yeah and in the end they made a perfect um equilateral triangle on the plate in the other corner formed this perfect triangle and I got the sense at that time this is my dog Petey passing through paying me a visit Mm. across the country Uh so I believe you know that the dogs have spirits and you know we've known each other a long time Mm. that you know losing my parents was hard but quite frankly the little fluffy ones who really depend on you Mm -hmm. those, those ones hurt yeah so those ones hurt. So,
1: Yeah. I'd like to sometime explore the psychology between that. Like why why it is so hard to lose a pet over the kind of like learnable coping of losing a human. You know? I
2: yeah. don't know.
1: Maybe it's the emotional dependency we have on them. If We don't have to deal with. Like with parents, you kind of, you depend on them to a point and then you kind of <laughs> segment them into a different part of your life and then you continue on. But with dogs and cats and whatever animals you have you never have to, to set them aside. Like they're always dominant in your mind. So maybe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, they depend on you completely. And so that responsibility, if you really own it, it's, you know, that, like you say, that parent relationship, it it dwindles to a different thing as you get mature and move out and start and start your own life. Yeah. But those pets are there and depend on you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. Well, every pet you've ever had is at the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> They're so lucky to end up yeah, with you. It's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. So. so I wanted to ask you about
0: uh, a news item that actually just kind of happened, I believe, last week, and the congressional, um, God, what are they called? It's a congressional committee for they oversee the military, different branches of military. And they just approved like 60 to one the United States Space Corps, which in its, you know, in the article that I read that kind of listed what the Space Corps is going to be, it's going to fall under the Air Force and it's going to train soldiers to fight in space. Now, you're a really forward-thinking kind of person. It's sort of the area that you work in, not necessarily with people, but with technology. Um, My first thought and what the thought of many people, the articles that I read was like, oh, we're going to have humans in space shooting lasers or something. I don't know what. Um, But then after thinking about it, I was like, okay, well, this is probably more like maybe a drone kind of program where it's going to be people using things in space via telepresence or via, you know, just you know, video game style. Um, do you see a future where we have, like, a military base in space with, like, X-Wings and TIE Fighters and stuff <laughs> rolling around? Or it's like Ender's Game?
2: Yeah. Well, like like you say, you know, things are moving more to remote warfare. Right? Yeah. I mean, now when a drone shoots at something in Pakistan, the person flying that is in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So we're already there, but... You, you, know, you talk about the different domains, right? We we're all familiar with uh, land, sea, air. Yeah. But the the new domains of space and cyber uh-huh. are coming, and those are new domains, and especially cyber, you know, less a tangible thing. But mm-hmm. you know, you do, you know, when aircraft first started coming in to be used for military, you know, it was who 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 dominates the air, right? Because yeah. you dominate the air, you're gonna. Pretty much call the shots and win the win the war, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that that new domain where you've really got to control it is now space, right? Yeah. So I don't I don't foresee that we'll uh, you know have have the space station up there with all these X wing fighters. Ready to go. <laughs> I don't think it'll be like that. Although that's more fun to watch at the movies. Yeah. But it it will be um, it is a domain that we need to control the sen- sensors and effects that are yeah. that are there in that domain. So and you know, uh, I, I thought you were going to ask me about the uh, article because I read up on this. But le- a couple weeks ago, uh, they actually used a high energy laser weapon. They fired one off of a Apache helicopter uh-huh. um, at a fixed target on the ground. And and those types of weapons, the high energy lasers, mm-hmm. are really really I think going to be a game changer in the you know more traditional domains of land sea air. Yeah, where you know you don't have to 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 get something from here to there. You shoot shoot the laser from here to there, yeah, and take it out, right? I think I I don't know this, so I'm just <laughs> gotta yeah. keep my disclaimers uh, ducks in a row here. But I would sus- <laughs> I would be surprised if uh, you know a North Korean missile headed the wrong way if we couldn't yeah. take it out with a high energy weapon of some kind already. So but that's a card you don't want to play right? exactly yeah so
0: i know they supposedly just tested a uh what they call it a hypersonic missile out yeah. of australia yeah which is how fast does a hypersonic missile go <laughs>
2: hypersonic you know anything up it's to like, mach 10 i mean so yeah
1: well it's fast yeah but a laser is faster yeah. So, yeah well
2: i mean it, you know a hypersonic, you know, you, you, it's just so fast that you never see it coming, right? I mean, uh-huh. even when the SR seventy one was around, flying Mach, Mach two to three, right? By the time you hear it, it's already past you. It's just, its sound is just starting to yeah. arrive at you, yeah. And that's difficult for people to to process. You know, people are not good sensors for things like that, right? <laughs> uh-huh. So.
1: Does it seem like humans are good sensors for much? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we invented all these things. Build stuff, right? So then, what is that in like comparison to like the 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 tried and true like nuclear arsenal? I mean, is having something more targeted a little bit more
2: convenient? Um. So, so the thing is, is propagation delay, right? So, anything that's not moving at the speed of Light, you have mm-hmm. time to detect it and react and fire a countermeasure, and, mm-hmm. and 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 my company Raytheon is actually doing work, and it's been in the news. You've probably seen it where we'll fire um, an ICBM target from Kwajalein Atoll, and then from Vandenberg, we'll fire the fire the intercept missile yeah. up to to do it, and that that's a kinetic effect. I mean, that's hitting a bullet with a bullet, literally. Yeah. Right. So that that exists, and that's We've been working on that for, gosh, decades, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's actively being tested, and, and that's the more traditional type of defense for, you know, ballistic missiles and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool.
2: So, yeah. But with, with the high-energy laser, you know, it you you don't have to predict where it's going to be and lead it because it's the speed of light. You just point at it. just at point at yeah. Right? yeah. So there's no more pursuit guidance or lead guidance. There's just point and shoot. It gets right? so fast.
1: It's like, they're like... it's like a laser pointer that <laughs> yeah. explodes
2: things. Yeah. But I mean, you guys, you know, like like paintball, someone's running, you have to lead them, right? Yeah. Like yeah. throwing a football at a receiver, right? Yeah. If you throw it where they are, then things change, and, and now it's behind and you've missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but with the with light weapon, you just no matter how fast it's going, you just point it at where it is. And,
1: so, how far you know. are we from from like uh, lightsabers and laser pistols?
2: I saw something in the news about that too i was I'm trying to remember what that was. But there was actually, a, I, think, I think it's a YouTube video <laughs> um, with a, with a quote-unquote lightsaber where, uh-huh. you know, they had this uh, blue laser that they're putting stuff in and it's just like frying everything. So.
1: Oh, man. Is that the same kind of technology?
2: <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it's well, just...
0: I think, uh, uh, yeah. From what they said, like a real lightsaber is like a plasma... Yeah. It's like some kind of plasma technology. That way, it's contained. Like yeah. if it's light, like a laser, your it's light just, just go, go to space or something. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So it's some kind of like, yeah, plasma thing.
1: Yeah, it has to contain all that energy. Yeah. But then be permeable. Is plasma permeable? Because I mean, stuff goes kind
0: yeah. of. Ask George Lucas.
1: Well, let's get him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, you said you had a lot of awesome questions. Um. Yeah, I wanted to
0: ask you about. um, I don't know, do you believe in UFOs at all?
2: So I believe there are things that are flying that we have not identified. So, So yeah, in that case, yes. yes.
0: Whether or not they're extraterrestrial or not is up for debate. But what I wanted to know is like, say you wanted to build a vehicle that was both terrestrial, they could fly within the atmosphere and into space not necessarily let's not even say like long distances through space let's just say you want to be able to go easily between the two um what kind of engine technology would be the most like futuristic thinking like what kind of engine technology would you need in order to make something like that
2: doable well i mean traditionally there's air breathing right yeah like um Jet engines and such, and mm. and in space there's there's rockets and pulse motors and plasma type electric engines mm-hmm. as well. Um, so to do both becomes more difficult. And there for years there have been um, stories of the pulse jets that, yes. that the exhaust looks like the donuts on a rope kind yeah. of oh, a yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Uh, Area fifty one. They tested that <laughs> on its
0: best. Yeah. They did like the pulse yeah.
2: engine kind yeah. of. Camera. So the question is, you know, where where does that technology come from? And I forget. I I think there's some history with that. It's like, you know, the the flying wing was around in the 40s and then went away and then came back. So I think that's similar with that type of engine technology. Um, There was some research done, and the technology couldn't support it or make it safe, and Uh then it's starting to come back. So I I don't know if there is one... um, Thing. you know SSTO single stage to orbit has been kind of one of the holy grails in aerospace since yeah. I started my career and how do you do that? Um, you know you want to take off horizontal on a runway and go to outer space and deliver a payload and mm-hmm. come back down and land horizontal on a runway mm-hmm. yeah and it's easy to say and difficult to do <laughs> um, the the Pegasus rockets that you know you fly up to, very high altitude in an F-15 and you launch a rocket that then completes the satellite delivery into orbit. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the closest we have but even that has expendables. right? Yeah. So the space shuttle great right but kind of not what you're talking about either. Mm -hmm. So
0: I know like people have been working on the ION engines for a while but they take they're the kind of thing that takes a long time to kind of build up speed or something like that right now.
1: Um, Yeah. So you have to orbit Earth once before you can actually get the altitude you need to break orbit?
0: Maybe even longer than that. It's the kind of thing where it's like, let's say they were sending something to Pluto. You know, you would start the ion engine and go like three miles an hour. But then that would (laughs) double and then double and then double and then double and double. And then eventually, like when it gets around Saturn, it's going like thousands and thousands and thousands of miles an hour. But it just takes a long time and good luck for it slowing to slow it start. down. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. When it hits Pluto, it'll slow down. Yeah, yeah.
2: Same thing with the solar sails, right? You yeah. Put a big enough sail out there, and but eventually you get further away from the sun, so mm-hmm. you lose nope. steam.
0: I know that there was an X Prize. I don't know if anybody. I don't think anybody won the X Prize, but with the um, they're trying to design a space elevator, um, yeah. and so there was one that was using like. I believe it was like a carbon carbon tube, nanotube technology or something. And then there was another one that was really interesting where they had I mean, I guess you could call it a stationary but it it moved around but it was like a laser and the bottom of the capsule had like a basically like a shield and the laser would shoot a bunch of beams and it would accelerate the thing up and then it would like, the computer would try to control it so that the capsule stayed on a straight trajectory up to space and I think they only got it up to about 100 feet in the air before it like (laughs) flew off and like crashed but um yeah is there any chance of doing like like laser assisted uh launches in the future
2: I I don't know a lot about that but I think that that's possible um you know any anything you can use for propulsion you, know, you the, the problem with leaving earth is escape velocity right yeah you got to get going pretty fast to to get out of here yeah. right so I think you know I, I don't think we'll see the technologies change from the tried and true stuff they want to do more of the um, you know, to have things be more safe and more reliable because we still lose satellites we the global community mm. right not every uh, launch is a success and they're expensive I know yeah. working on GPS, you know, still a lot of finger crossing when we launch GPS satellites because they're not cheap and they take a long time to build. Yeah. yeah. So, Like the Facebook satellite that blew up. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So is there any point when, so you're on planet Earth and you're trying to leave planet Earth, is there any point where the laws of physics themselves start to morph into something else?
2: No. So <laughs> they're that the consistent.
1: So pretty much yeah. what
0: we know. Yeah, at least is consistent with yeah. that part of it. Oh, um, yeah, I know. Like the laws of physics don't really start getting screwy till you get down to like the subatomical level, right? Um, which is actually really cool because there was just an article where I believe it was Chinese scientists just teleported a photon to a satellite in space,
2: hmm.
0: and it's not exactly teleportation, but they used quantum entanglement. Mm-hmm. So there was basically like a piece of matter up in a satellite, and they yeah. changed its entangled matter on the ground and instantaneously changed up in space. Um, so it wasn't quite teleportation like they were reporting it, but it's still pretty cool.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I, th- I think about that a lot. You know, one of the questions you get asked a lot is, you know, so you think of Star Trek, right? We, we have the communication now where I can tap my chest and talk to someone right. far away, right? Yeah. And, but the, the one thing is, you know, the transporting a human from here to there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scramble you up and and send you up there and re-put you together. Yeah. So the, the question is, let's say we could do that, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say we could take you and take you apart to the subatomic level or yeah. atomic level, ship you up there uh, through some means and reassemble you. Well, a- and everything is the same. Every yeah. thought you have, every memory you have, it's all put back together correctly. Mm-hmm. But is it is it still you or did we kill you down here? And we recreated a really good copy up there that no one can tell is not you and you even think is still you. But is it not you? And so your
1: soul also. (laughs) I mean, isn't there the constant chase of does your soul have weight? And does it you know, when when a body dies, does it then get like just a little bit lighter? And then can you then identify it? In your whole process, because in that scan, I'm sure you're identifying cells. One of them's got to be your soul. Does it travel too?
2: Good question. I'm, I'm under the it assumption does, that it you die.
1: But then I've <laughs> always had this thought. So
0: they've taken you apart, right, to mm-hmm. the whatever, every little molecule in your body, and they've shipped it to another place. While they're doing that, they could just scrub you and be like, oh, that's a cancerless cell. Let's delete that. Let's do this. Let's uh, fix these cells. And then you show up. So basically, you could potentially live forever as long as you keep teleporting yourself because it's just going to fix your cells and your body's not going to degrade at the same level Mm -hmm. and so potentially you could just live forever and you would look young and they just keep teleporting you well that sounds like a good
1: end game but in the process imagine how many cells they're going to mess up well I would not
0: want to be the first person to test you're going to end up a A bowl of pudding
1: on the other side of just cells (laughs) But, at least, out. but yeah. it's kind of like the frog in a blender. Is it still a frog? You know, you put the frog in the blender, you turn on the blender, it's soup now, but it's still technically a frog.
0: All the molecules are there. So,
1: All the molecules, everything that makes it a frog is there. However.
2: It's not a happy frog. Yeah, no.
1: It is not a frog that's going to be hopping anytime soon. <laughs> so then, is it still a frog?
2: You know, you, you mentioned the, the soul having weight, and I saw something when I was really young where... They had these people that were terminally ill and were going to die imminently. Yeah. yeah. They put them on these sensitive scales. Have you seen this? I have. Really yes. And at the exact moment a, of death, you could see the needle go. There's
1: a does. TV but show. But is that the They're weight hot. of air in their lungs? Yeah. Is that the weight of gas in their body? Like, we don't know.
0: There was a TV show called yeah. Dark Matters. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen it. You can occasionally, it's it's been canceled for a long time. I think it was like early 90s or maybe late 80s. Um and they actually did a story on that and yeah it was one of the cool things that they did
1: So what did they determine?
0: Um, I think modern, well even back then modern scientists were like well there was a lot of flaws in what they did Um, so Mm -hmm. it was basically inconclusive um, because yeah, and now I think moral and ethics don't allow certain kinds of what they would need to do to test it I don't think they'd be allowed to yeah. actually do to
1: test it. A
2: little Outside the scope of Mythbusters. Yeah,
1: <laughs> That's interesting though because kind of going back to teleportation, doesn't that kind of walk the line of what is moral and ethical? Because you're deconstructing a person and reassembling them somewhere else and then like the question you had like is that the same person or did that first person die and dissolve and then just if you're transporting matter I mean everything's matter and stuff but it's how but then like that's kind of like the ultimate like existential question like what are we yeah. because if you dissolve something send its materials over here and rebuild it like it's just stuff it's molecules it's things but what makes what makes you 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 know yeah. what makes a dog a dog is it the molecules or is it something else
2: and you know i've since i was little i used to think you know you can you can take a person and, and and cut off their finger, and they they're still they're going to live, and mm-hmm. right. It's a but what's the one molecule that you take away that's the one? Yeah. That now they die, right? So it's kind of along those same lines, right?
1: Isn't that the thought well, that process of sense people sense. who torture other people? <laughs> they're like, what what little sliver can I cut so that this person dies?
2: <laughs> no, that's your guys' haunt stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then just don't cut that one. Well, I
0: think maybe part of it, you know, if you want to talk about, is a person. Person and what can you do that then makes them kind of not that person? They're still alive, but they're kind of dead. It'd be like a lobotomy, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because they're still alive, but they're definitely not the person that they were five minutes ago before you did it.
1: That's another question I had with with this whole teleportation action. Is so you're sending stuff and it's going back together. Memories are imprints on the brain, right? It's like different electrical things that are changing the actual composition of your brain. So when you're getting rebuilt, is it being rebuilt as if you were an infant with no recorded stuff? Or is it recording all of those little lines that you've made your whole life? Well it's
2: like a computer memory, right? It's ultimately a bunch of bits, ones and zeros. Right. Yeah. You wanna get so your brain's the same way theoretically. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. At some level. So if we don't uh, you know scramble the ones and zeros, then we put you back together with all the exact same thoughts and memories and experiences and feelings and...
1: So nothing would have changed. Yeah. All the little so wrinkles
2: of day. It's interesting. Right.
1: That's important. But if you can do that, then you can go through and erase memories that you do not want anymore.
2: And you know that, you know, we talk about one of the big things today where they're doing more researches is with um, PTSD and soldiers. And yeah. If mm-hmm. we had that ability to go in and erase a, a traumatic experience and a really interesting thing i read I have, I have a good friend um who i refereed basketball with actually but he's a retired marine and now he runs a center for usc um his name is mike mcdowell and he's trying to help soldiers with these kinds of problems and do things like that but years ago i, I read this uh, article we do a little bit of work with gamification at, at work um about how you can gamify things to make them more engaging and, and the learning you get sticks better. Right? Yeah, but one the of the they things really they discovered doing. was that, you know, if a soldier goes, goes out and they have a traumatic mission where something really bad happens, they lose a bunch of people, something. Uh-huh. the best thing they can do to prevent the future PTSD is make that guy play Tetris for 30 minutes. Really? It actually almost negates anything they saw or did. Playing Tetris. If you you Google PTSD Tetris, yeah, it's really amazing. That's kind of the tip of the iceberg, I think. That by just having the mind change its state to this other, I'm now playing this game. Mm I'm just, you know, shooting little blocks or whatever. Uh uh, That it can really have a profound impact on how you experience that, or or preventing flashbacks and all those kinds of things. It's really, you know, and We think the solutions are supposed to be so much harder, but sometimes the solutions are simple. And I talk about, you know, things that you can't really explain, mm-hmm. but, but my God, let's accept it. If it works, it's okay yeah. to not know why. If I say, so oh, like, yeah. hey, it works, let's help these people. Yeah. So is there, help.
0: is there like a time frame on that? Is like, you know, they've just had a crazy mission to get picked up in a black op. Black Hawk helicopter and, like, the medic just hands them a Game Boy or something? <laughs> like, is I, there, like, an immediate, is there a time frame within which before the memory is created that they needs to be first, done? So the morphine think, or the Game Boy? I think <laughs> the article
2: said within the first couple hours is yeah. best, so it would be like when you return from patrol yeah. that you would, you know, and it's hard because we've just been through this and I, I need you to sit down and do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if it becomes part of the regimen where, you know, after every patrol we're expected to go do this no matter what happens, mm-hmm. then maybe that helps, you know, and how it works. But it seriously, look look up uh, PTSD and Tetris and it's I, I interesting. think it's, yeah, that yeah. could
0: be really good for like, you know, a lot of other things, a lot of traumatic events. But that actually
1: makes sense because somewhere where there's that constant research about um, short-term memory and long-term memory Mm -hmm. and do things actually get sent from short-term to long-term or are they actually being recorded at the same time but short-term memory is a little less sticky and at this point you're kind of like almost preventing those traumatic things from being able to be revisited. Like they're still there, but if you don't dwell on it, like kind of like if you like say something really stupid and you're embarrassed about it and you keep going back to it, which happens if you have anxiety, but (laughs) this could be a way to kind of, instead of focusing on those things that will Mm. continue to give you those problems. And then the more you replay it, the worse it gets. Mm. If you focus on something else before those things have time to, to those like almost like muscle memory lines to solidify, if you do something else first, maybe those lines never have a chance to solidify. So you don't have that long-term memory
2: problem. I've read that it, both ways, where people who are already having flashbacks can go do something like a Tetris, and and um, you know it'll help relieve their their immediate symptoms. But yeah. the ideal thing is to do it right when it happens to prevent the flashbacks in the first place. Yeah,
1: prevent the imprint so, on the memory.
2: Yeah, hmm. but but things like that really continue to you know intrigue me, and I. You know, I, I give a lot of talks to universities about, you know, innovation and, you know, getting back to just, you know, looking to nature and how the brain works and not having to understand everything. right? Yeah. The yeah. Problem. And I, I'm the first victim here is as an engineer, I want to want to understand everything, yeah. how it works. But something just got to go, OK, that works. We're doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll circle back and figure out why it works or how it works later. Yeah. You know, so that's that's a big Big part of it.
1: Yeah. But so. that's a lot of the fun is figuring out the why. You know, you observe and you accept things for, you know, the result that you're given. But part of the fun and, you know, part of the ability that we have as humans is to be able to dissect those things and kind of fig- try to figure out why. But it's things like, like with Corey, where you, so you've seen it happen yep. and it is what it is. But then, like, I mean, I'm not an engineer. I'm not educated <laughs> like that at all, but I really like to problem solve. And I think that's your fault for giving me puzzles when I was <laughs> 10. But, like, I, I, I mean, I have thought about him so many times trying to figure out how. How did he do it? What, what does he hear? Like, trying to figure out the, the, the steps that it takes to get to that end result, which we were witness to. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I mean, that's like, it's got to be a daily chase to try to figure out how it was done.
2: But I think that's one of the beautiful things about Corey is he's not asking those questions about it. He just right? yeah, he, he just, just accepts, accepts it, it. And yeah. he's like, All and right, that's how it is. You accept it. And I and you know to, it's not just, you know, the the human side, you know, I any problem you have, and I've learned to do this now, I, I first thing I say does has na- does nature have a similar problem?
0: Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm.
2: How does nature solve this problem? And there's all kinds of uh, you know e- examples. Um, I, I, this first occurred to me several years ago. I was at Cal Poly Pomona, um, looking at some of the senior projects, and mm-hmm. they were ha- had a little research money. They were trying to figure out how to make helicopter rotor blades not so loud, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so a student said, "Well, I'm going to make the leading edge. I'm going to have it have humps like a whale's fin, and just see what happens." And sure enough, way quieter, way mm-hmm. way quieter, what? like orders of magnitude quieter yeah just by doing something nature had done you know nature evolved the shape of that whale fin to be that way for a reason Mm -hmm. um you know and and you can go into the aerodynamics now we know it creates mini stalls and all this stuff and explain why but you know look to that look to nature and say is there a similar problem in nature so it's really really amazing the examples you can find in you know, one of the most uh, amazing instruments there is is a dog's nose, right? Mm-hmm. There are certain types of um, cancers, ovarian cancers, that we really don't have the technology to look at a tissue sample and see if it has it or not. Best thing you can do is get a dog that's trained to tell you this one has it. Yeah. That one doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's still the, you know, the leading technology if you know <laughs> is phyto, right? So, so yeah. are
1: you trying to find the science that mimics nature? To try to find whatever, you know, olfactory response causing molecule is in there that we can't find through a microscope Yeah, because if
0: they can get, make a, a computer sniffer that can sniff out that molecule. It's like the, um, what is that? There's like a, they call it like the popcorn lemur or something. Like his pee has the same molecules <laughs> that are in the butter of popcorn at the movie theater. <laughs> and so you can smell it. <laughs> because you'll be in the jungle and be like wow it smells like movie theater popcorn out here and sure enough there'll be like a lemur in the There's tree. A lemur
1: nearby and he and just peed you, on his and, shoulder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so it's kind of like one of those things like you know maybe if they can figure out what molecule is causing the dog to be able to sniff out yeah. then they can make a computer that can test that as well. But if and whether me, it's not something it's that's not as being fun. extruded <laughs> in your sweat or is it you know a chemical right. change in your body in some other way that's making like a certain pheromone come out. Yeah. Um Hopefully, they'll be able to figure that out and then test for it. But,
1: yeah. But, I mean, if all diagnoses were made by dogs, I'd be okay with that, too.
0: I don't need a machine to tell me.
1: I would rather have a dog tell me. Because then, like, the news is not so bad. Be like, you have cancer, but look at that face.
2: Yeah. That
1: that would just make it more palatable for me.
2: I I thought I would... You know, hoped I would be prepared for today, but I was not prepared for the popcorn lemur. <laughs> you, you got me on that one, you guys. So.
0: <laughs> I learn a lot of weird, problem. weird things in my life. So
1: <laughs> We listen to a lot of podcasts, and in podcasts, you find some weird information.
2: Cover a lot of ground, yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's kind of like today's version of reading the newspaper, is you listen to podcasts. Like, we have a lot of, yeah. um, like, BBC Five, BBC Four. And that's just a lot of just news. A lot of it is science-based. Yeah. And that's kind of the motivation for a lot of things that we like spend our time like chewing on, like really thinking about his based off of that podcast. That line of thinking. So what else? So we've covered some spooky things that you've been through. What's the most, aside from dealing with Corey, what's the most recent thing that's happened to you?
2: Um, so It's funny. A lot of odd things happen to me <laughs> for for a scientist, and and I shrug them off. And so lately, so just had my anniversary, right? And, mm-hmm. and uh, congratulations! And, yeah, we were married yeah. on July eleventh, seven eleven. Okay, and I got to tell you that that number seven eleven mm-hmm. pops up so much, and not just driving by convenience stores. Nice. But statues. I mean, yeah. I'll wake mm-hmm. up and look at the clock, and it says seven eleven. Yeah. And, and I don't know if my body is just tuned to, you know, my body clock is saying, okay, look now. And it says that all. Yeah, could but be, or
1: it could be blue car syndrome or something like that. But I'll
2: be driving in traffic and the car in behind the license plate has 711 in it. Yeah. It's just, it, it pops up, you know, I could do the math, but it pops up statistically way, way more than it should. Yeah. So I don't know what that is. But Have you actually done real, that math to uh, figure out I, if it's statistically yeah, average I, or? Yeah. <laughs>
1: You I know, figured I you it. would have because, yeah. you know, you could yeah. do that.
2: Yeah. You could drive for a year and see one, and I see him, like, all the time. So right in front of me and stuff. So it's just one of those weird, weird things where I just kind of take it tongue in cheek. And, you know, what? It, it's funny. After talking to Corey, you know, um, my sister, and you never knew my sister. I didn't. She passed away when I was 18. So when I was young. Yeah. hmm I was 16. She was 18. So, um but, you know, we we never had a good relationship. She was always, I, I'd have to say she was mean to me, right? Yeah. And I, I got the sense from him that, you know, that would have changed by this point in our life, certainly. Sure. But it, it was, it's always been kind of difficult because that's kind of where it was left, right? Yeah. Um, but now it's its like, so, you you know, I, I mow the grass and do my chores, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm old school. I, I have a blower, but I don't want my neighbors to just see me blowing everything in the street. So I sweep everything up with a broom first, mm-hmm. do the best mm-hmm. I can. Then I blow the residual out. Right. Yeah. To be a good, and, and I like showing this is how much I would have blown out into the street in this bucket right here. But whenever I am sweeping, <laughs> it can be the stillest day there ever was. And when I'm sweeping, the breeze comes up and blows it around. And I'm convinced that's my sister just messing with me. It's like so hundred percent sure, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that it's just okay. we have a sense of humor here, yeah got it, right.
1: Do you think that's why she was so emotional when she came back because she's like, I wish we could have ended on a different note than that
2: yeah i think I think that's part of it and and you know. Kids will be kids, and yeah, know.
1: I mean, eighteen. You guys are just puppies. Sixteen yeah. and eighteen.
2: Yeah. So, and my brother was close. You know, my brother. It's interesting. I I sent him the written story. Right, actually, mm-hmm. I sent it to his wife and said, "Read this to my brother." Mm-hmm. But he talks about my sister all the time. And I, you know, I met Corey flying home from visiting my brother. Yeah, right? yeah. which is interesting. The my time brother's time. immediate reaction to the story was, well, I wish Betty would have shut up so Bunny could, <laughs> could have said <laughs> my <him. And> sister <laughs> would said more. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. But
1: but in a room, if they were both in the same room, which do you think would have tried to say more? You know, it'd be like how who they it's were like in life. Thanksgiving, like,
2: like who's the loudest family member at Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. Right. But, you know, it's, it's when I had that experience with Corey, you know, it was like the four people came through and um, two my two grandparents on my dad's side, and I had maybe seen them once or twice in my life when I was little, like four or five years old, mm-hmm. and knew enough to know who they were when he was describing them. Yeah. Um, but um, your mom, Claudia, knew them a lot better than I did. and She was excited to hear about. You know, oh really she did part of it yeah okay oh, so um because because connecticut connection right oh yeah right they were all in connecticut while we were in california oh. so
1: oh yeah that right? makes sense yeah because yeah. my my grandma yeah. my mom's mom was out there
2: yeah that's yes, we'll that's who there. this was the mod was your mom's your no aunt barbara's mom <laughs> yes oh
1: okay so my great-grandmother yeah.
2: Sorry, we're doing the family tree on your Yeah, <laughs> your that's cool.
1: Well, it kind of puts it in perspective. So it's like, you know, for the audience's yeah. sake, like, this isn't just some stranger that I know. I mean, this is my mom's cousin. Yeah. So, I mean, I call him Cousin Jim, yeah. but, you know, I mean, this there is a family tree to be to be talking about. I think about, it's so. funny
2: that, you know, for years when I started coaching you in high jump in high school, I... Since those days, I've always called you my stunt daughter, and now it's like, you are doing stunts. So I, just, I think that is so beautifully full circle that my my stunt daughter is a s- stunt daughter. That's yeah. your
1: fault that this is all happening. I uh, see how it is. Yeah. Speaking of,
0: you actually wrote a book on high jumping, right? So how did that come about? And and. There's like you have like a mathematical equation or something for how to best do a high jump.
2: So, so it's all physics. And, and the way I got into coaching was um, this this one here. Hello. Uh, she's going into high school at Olu and was going to be a freshman said, hey, I'm going a high jump. I said, hey, I did that in high school. Maybe I'll come out and watch. And I had no idea. Yeah.
1: I was like, you did? That's awesome.
2: So I went out to, to, quote, unquote, watch. And the next thing I know, I've been uh, coaching 20 years now. (laughs) But
1: you were officially, like someone needed to run the event. But that was
2: after you had already been doing it. You were in, um, I want to say, Orange County Invitational or something in Irvine. And the guy running it was, and I don't like to complain about people, but it was so... So unskilled at what he was doing, yeah. I, I wrote a letter and said, "You know, you really need to get someone who can do that better." And <laughs> the, the person uh, emailed back and said, "I think you just volunteered to do it next year." Like, okay, <laughs>
1: if you can recognize that it's done badly, <laughs> chances are you're knowledgeable enough to at least yeah. give it a shot. Yeah,
2: but the but the the book, I mean, so it's you know, coaching is really interesting. Um, that there are a lot, there is a lot of physics behind it, obviously, but the the big Part of it is um, not just telling the kids what to do, do what I say, yeah. why, because, but getting them to understand how everything works and some of the physics behind it. Yeah. Empower them. So the knowledge really came from that because by the time I was finishing up uh, coaching Veronica, you know, there was a lot of new terminology we had developed and ways to think about things. So at one point I said, I got to start writing all this down. And so I did that. And we say book it's not published it's uh it's still a, more of a manuscript than a book yeah that I give freely to anyone who uh, high jumps and cares to read a little mm-hmm. but I think it does um simplify it and break it down and I still use it to this day and you know coach those same methods so that's cool
1: I've been reading it <laughs> it's been it's really interesting I mean the The formatting is still kind of weird because like it's, it's like stacking on top of itself and that just happens in when it's still in manuscript form and not in like a finished thing. But it's, it's a very smart book. I mean, you're a smart dude. You are, I mean, I think it's safe to say that you're the smartest person that I know. You're definitely one of the most educated people that I know, (laughs) but like you apply that smarts to a lot of different things in a way that's actually practical. And you can tell when reading this book, like, yeah, it's just a, it's a draft of many, but you can really tell, you know what you're talking about. And it's really cool to read having done it. I mean, oh my God, this is like 17 years ago. How long were we jumping together? Like it was yeah. ages ago, but, but you,
2: it
1: it comes back after reading, reading the yeah. book and it's like, oh my gosh, like hey, it's all that. written out. Like yeah. the things that you just do yeah. are actually written out and it's beautiful to see. The
2: simple things you do, you know, we explain uh, what you want to do, why you want to do it, but then how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, a difficult part of it is, you know, I can, can understand it completely in my mind, but if I can't articulate it in a way that a high school kid can understand it well enough to then do, do this simple action. Yeah. um, And
1: that's the trick.
2: That's the trick. Right. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's the trick of any educator is being able to take what you understand and communicate it in a way that somebody else may need to learn it a different way that you did. But do you understand it enough to put a different spin on it to communicate it yeah. efficiently.
2: And I think everybody is expert enough in something that they could, uh, quote unquote, write a book, at least write down what you know, mm-hmm. and start articulating those things to share them. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest crime is that if you're, you are an expert in something, that it all stays in your brain. And, and that's something that, you know, I've when I started as an engineer in 1985, <laughs> a long time ago, <laughs> Um, The old timers, you know, job security was I don't tell anybody my secrets and I play it close to the best. Yes. Right. And I put stuff in my code and no one can figure out how this software works (laughs) with me. Yeah. Right. And I say that's lack of confidence right? Yeah. That you need to build in the job security. Yeah. And I try to be the total opposite end of the spectrum. I'll tell you everything I know how to do everything. Mm-hmm. Cause I know I'm going to learn something new that I didn't know yesterday.
0: Yeah. Right? Because like what I've found, I, I operate a lot of the same way and I just kind of like lay out my cards on the table. and like, this is everything I know about it. And a lot of times there's somebody in the room that thinks a little bit differently than you and they'll bring up something that you've never even thought of. Mm-hmm and then it totally gets your brain working in another direction that you didn't know existed until they brought up that question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then just explaining it to somebody and everything that you know will actually trigger something else in your brain and you'll you'll learn something just by explaining what That's you the, are the power
2: it. of brainstorming. So I I say something that triggers you to say something and that triggers me to think a new thought yep. and yep. all of a sudden we're off and I just I just taught a course at work on brainstorming techniques and living the innovative lifestyle I call it. Oh neat. about how you can Know, don't just come to work and be an engineer nine to five. But yeah. you, you know, you you take these problems with you and you live them. And and you know, one of my favorite stories is we've been thinking about um, a GPS denied problem, about how how you can drive a, an autonomous car in in New York where there's GPS signals bounce and you get tons of multipath. Yeah. yeah. And thinking about this problem and thinking of, and you, in tunnels you can't see satellites and in parking garages you can't see satellites. Mm-hmm. And so so one night, I'm tired, I'm in the market, I'm scanning my groceries, (laughs) and it occurs to me as the the barcode goes over the scanner, I said, I wonder if it, I know know it can read it, but I wonder if it knows where it is. And then that thought from literally the supermarket said, I bet if I walked down an aisle with a barcode reader and read all the boxes, it would know where I am in the store based on the barcodes I'm reading. As so if you put those barcodes in the street
1: so, so that your car can read those. So it's now a
2: patent and Cal State Fullerton is building one, but it's basically a, every light post will, you know, would have a barcode on it and you can triangulate from light That's posts really interesting and... cuz <laughs> one of the
0: one of the original ideas for virtual reality that was being worked on by a company up in Washington um, The idea is is how do you track a body in a room, right? Mm -hmm. And so what they did is on the headset and on the back of the headset and I believe maybe on the sides, they had little cameras that could read those QR codes. So those like weird little codes and they put those all around the room Mm -hmm. and each code had a different, different, you know,
1: like location, locational
0: in idea And so, as you moved around the room, it knew your orientation within the room, and that's how they could track you around the room. So it's yeah. kind of the same idea. That's similar, yes. yeah,
2: yes, similar. So is that your button? It's not the QR code one, but okay. the other, the other one. yeah. Well, I
0: think the QR code one they gave up for what they call lighthouses, which is an IR uh, or no, I believe it's a laser blaster. It's a little. Mm-hmm. They call it a lighthouse because the little laser thing it spins, that spins around, around and around now. and around, yeah. and it can yeah. track you a lot more accurately. Yeah. Um, but it's they're very expensive. Right <laughs> so and that's the
2: other thing, do it cheaply, right? I yeah. Mean, ours literally does it from camera images. It's just like a camera on your phone, yeah. right, that you would use. So, so that
1: the same setup that's, that's pretty easy to retrofit into existing cars? I mean, it's something that you just kind of add it on, and then it just scans the world around it and looks for these codes?
2: Yeah, there are special lenses you can put on, on cameras that give a 360-degree view. So mm. our team played with some of those and did various things it's 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 pretty neat though to, to to me the thing i like best about it is you know you literally solve the problem in the grocery store another friend yeah. at work says he woke up one morning and he, he all of a sudden his doctoral thesis the the solution to the big equation he just knew it and that said to go write it down he thought of it while he was sleeping yeah so, that's yeah you know, those things really that. do happen yeah. the mind doesn't turn off yeah so Exactly. So, but, well, if you it know, did, you would die. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: even after you die, it still keeps going. But, so just to, to build a little bit of street cred. You, okay, so you quickly... <laughs> for
2: you or me? <laughs> for you. <laughs> okay.
1: So you just, I asked you if that was your patent. And you're like, not that one that we were talking about, but the previously one, yes. You just blew over the fact that you have a patent, sir. And not only do you have one patent, you have many. So what I want to, because this is one of the things that I think is super cool, is that my super smart cousin has legitimate patents recorded at the patent office that are actually being used and licensed by other people. So just for me, I just, can you tell us what, like, what patents you have?
2: So this is, this is funny. Cause when I listened to you talk to Corey, you were like, I, you mentioned this, right? And you were like, I think he's got like eight or nine. And I'm like, no, <laughs> You're giving me a little too much credit there. That's 45. I, I, no, I said, I, <laughs> I, I said, I have seven. Okay. Right. Well then... About a little while after that I learned that another one got granted that I like didn't even know about. You're welcome. <laughs> so when you said eight, you were actually right. I just didn't know you were right at the time. That's hey. so actually kind of funny. So I have eight. Yay. So and, and for various things, mostly in intelligent transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, Raytheon did a lot of work on that in in the uh, two thousand seven for to through now basically right yeah so that led to a lot of opportunities so you know the opportunities are there but you also gotta you know you do need to think of things differently and and the neat part about it was um learning to uh defend and kind of it's it's a new language it's like learning french or something the way you know if you read one it's it's like french the first time you read it's really you learn to do it and then so so there's there's eight through work and then um the high jump patent I, I um, have uh, filed right mm-hmm. with um, a high jumper came up with an idea. That's that's a good good story. But um, so that's a ninth one that's out there that I'm confident mm-hmm. um, that that will be granted when the time comes. Yeah. But those just a matter of realizing. You know, I think there's. Uh, can I share that story? Yeah, please yeah, so I'm at high jump practice with um, my my star high jumper, McKenna. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she's starting to... So one of the things about high jump is the bar is at a certain height, five feet, right? Yeah. And if you do, boom, I nail it and I, I clear it by a ton, you get credit for five feet. It's not like a yeah. long jump where if you nail one, you go out in the sand, it's like, woohoo, Yeah. yeah. You go measure and you get full credit, right? Mm-hmm. High jump, it's like sometimes you make it by a lot and don't get credit. So she was saying, you know, couldn't we have like some infrared... Beam stacked up, and so that we could like see how high above it you actually clear it. Yeah, and I'm saying, yeah, we could do that. And she goes, Ah, huh, maybe that's a patent. And so I looked, and and uh, it is a patent by someone in Germany who mm-hmm. owns that patent. I said, Well, so it doesn't mean we can't make one to play with and 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 learn from, right? Yeah. So I uh, put together some parts on my little uh, Arduino board and my uh, 3D printer. I printed some LED holders to start making some parts. And so mm-hmm. when I showed them to her. She says, "Oh, that's that's really cool. Does it does it know where you are and does it tell you when to kick your legs up?" I'm like, No, no, no. no. Oh, <laughs> that would so be so I said awesome. that is so not what it does. Let me explain to you again and listen carefully this time. Let me explain to you what it does. It just measures how high above are sure. you are. The next day I'm driving in my car and I realize that her question contained a vision that I did not have. Yeah. A vision of does it know where you are? Yes, and can it tell you when to kick your legs? So
1: up? more instead of a straight line, like an array,
2: it's so an you can array tell where you are. Yes, so yeah. that so so from that we um, we looked. There's there was no patent for that. So so I uh, worked for close to a year and a half with with her and with a patent lawyer to file that, wow. and 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 that's the one I'm most proud of because it's 17 years and one week old at the time she had that vision. Yeah. And she just still doesn't understand that it's a big deal. To, you know, We go yeah. to conferences with engineers, a bunch of 50-year-old guys like me, <laughs> go to conferences and spend a week trying to think of someone no one's ever thought of. And here a 17-year-old blurts it out yeah. as a question. But it's up to those of us who have the experience to, and I glossed over it at first, right? No, mm-hmm. no, no, that's not what it does. But you got to back up and, and say, does that question contain a vision that I don't have and i need to dial in on that yeah. sounds
1: like the bottom line of innovation itself does that question have you know have yeah. some weight yeah
2: yeah and so my company's uh doing a big article on it and oh, that's know. cool like no so big it's, deal it's, yeah but that's that's the ultimate you know to help a kid uh you know take that through and not just leave it there so have yeah. you
1: built a prototype of the finished product of the what of the finished thing of like the whole array of like no, where the so is and
2: so that's part of the reason it took so long to get to filing it was because we had a, a really good patent lawyer who uh, asked a lot of really tough questions and, mm-hmm. and said, uh, how are you, you going to have it know where you are? And I'm right. like, oh, I got it right here in my head. And I know, no, no, I want to see. So I, I had to do a lot of the, the legwork, the engineering, yeah. right? Sure. And and quite frankly, that's the part that, um, you know, any good engineer could do that. It takes time to walk through that. But, but that, that vision is the thing that, you know, is hard to have. Yeah.
1: What's interesting is with Casey, almost every day, I have a notebook that says, trust your crazy ideas. That I stole from Casey. I bought it for <laughs> Casey because every day, I swear to God, the man has a million dollar idea. <laughs> like a new invention, a new something, something that, ha- a problem, like he'd identify a problem, find a solution that makes complete sense. And I bought him the notebook to write it down because yeah. I wanted him to find someone who could actually build the thing of whatever it is that comes out of That's the That's the
0: problem is having the, the ingenuity and the understanding of what the problem is and how to fix it, but then how to actually build the thing to make that problem yeah. or
1: write the process to fix that problem
0: or whatever
2: you know yeah. What I mean? yeah and like so it's
0: like you can come up with the idea but then it's like how do you follow that through
2: well and so you don't you don't have to build one to to get a patent granted right yeah. you have to be able to convince a patent examiner uh that your idea will work when built yeah, well, I so, mean, there's so patents you don't need for proof? perpetual motion machines
0: and stuff like that. So right, right. <laughs> <True>. Oh, <laughs> True. My, my
2: my favorite patent is the exercising a cat with a laser. Yeah, <laughs> there's a patent for that. <laughs> the method really
1: like it. the turning on the button and it's slinging. One it the funniest things you've ever seen. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, <laughs> got to send you that. <laughs> but but so a lot of our patents that um, we've we've done, you know, our process is you file the, the patent once the application is filed you have the protection, then you go get a university partner, some kid to do oh, it as okay. a senior project or something, uh, right? Because that's, that's cheaper labor, and they, yeah. they just want meaningful things to work on. Yeah. yeah. so
1: It benefits both of you.
2: Yeah.
1: It's free work for you, and it's an, an actual thesis for them.
2: Yeah, I mean, you just got it. So, if, you know, I, I think the, a good skill that anybody creative should have is to know how to do a patent search, Find out is there something already out there like it, mm-hmm. but you have to kind of become a lawyer in a sense to defend it and yeah. mm-hmm. and you know show why yours is different. And, and so on this patent I did with McKenna on the high jump patent, mm-hmm. but, you know I, I'm proud of that because I wrote most of that myself because I had done enough of them where yeah. I thought I kind of knew the lingo and and our patent lawyer cleaned it up and helped helped me out. But sure. you know a lot of a lot of what's there. And so I think there were like 12 other patents cited. That I had to go through the the case of why ours is better than that one, and why ours is better than that one, and okay. what yeah. we do different than that one, and you know, for a lot of uh, detecting a body in motion, um, a lot of it is you have to put markers on the person, Yes, yeah, right? like, mo- like mocap, the yeah. dots, yeah. yeah, things like that. And so finding a way to do it without that was, um, you know, what that's one of the features of our high jump pad where they don't have to wear anything special. Just great, right. they nice. can just do what they do. As they do it, and you just observe them and can detect. So
0: imagine you doing that for a movie, like having an actor and actually not having to put them in the suit with all the dots. And I think they'd be able to emote way better.
1: Without uh, being that function, um, Without casing.
0: having, yeah, like actually yeah. being able to be in their character, in their costume.
1: You may be able to compound on that thing because for yours, for the purpose of high jumping, I mean, I'm sure people know what it is. But like you, I envision on each upright, there's like a big square. You've read it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I have. Sorry. That's totally so, what it is. So. so it's a big square of, of two bits communicating with each other. Yep. But that kind of limits the, the the lines of communication. For Casey's idea with eliminating the need for mocap, it would have to be a whole room lined in those lasers it's like a holotech, to read.
0: But instead of yeah. putting holograms inside, you're just reading the motion of the thing yeah. that's inside. It's just it.
1: the communication and reading the differences. Because yeah. then you have yeah. a whole room to act in or perform a whole scene or whatever, and then it reads the yeah. entire thing. But then, like, with mocap, they put bits on the face, and, like, would it be able to read, like, if that you go, if you make a expression. scrunchy face, will it be able to read your scrunchy face? Like, it depends on the array, I guess. So
2: so one of the things they do in, in all patents that do sensing of some kind, like this one, is mm-hmm. you start saying, you know, a preferred embodiment is this, and you explain that we're going to use this this array of, uh, you know, IR beams across the mm-hmm. space to, yeah. uh, to then detect and fit a parabola and do blah, blah, blah. Right? right. But then at the end, you have all the... And of course, we could do this with LiDARs and radars and blah, blah. Right? Mm-hmm. You name every you possible sensor ever yeah. known to man, you right? You you broaden the scope from your preferred embodiment. So that someone
1: that, else can't write the same one, but say, but I'm yeah. going to use LiDAR or like whatever. Exactly, exactly <laughs> yeah. right? So you try to create yeah. that. So so when that same patent then expand, if, if uh, a production company wanted to use it for mocap purposes would they use that patent or could you then would that be a separate patent
2: so it, it depends you have to find something there's there's three requirements for a patent so you have to have uh it's got to be novel it's got to be non-obvious which mm-hmm. is a hard one mm-hmm. um and but but the non-obvious piece is really you know that a, that a smart engineer couldn't Read this and read this and go, I'm going to put those together and make this new thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they go through every publication ever written, whether it's patent applications or an article. You know, the history of publication oh. applies. And and it's really, you know, they say, well, if you took this magazine article from 1963 and this patent from from Japan and put them together, a smart person would come up with what you came up with. I really like
0: Wow, Oof. that's crazy.
2: Yeah, it's really nuts to try to. And sometimes, you know, you you submit a patent and you don't know that someone else filed it, you know, five days before you until the three-year waiting period has passed. And says, so mm-hmm. sorry. Can't of like CRISPR,
0: you <laughs> yeah. know, with MIT and uh, yeah. what's the other college? Stanford, I think. The yeah. two of them are competing for the CRISPR because it was literally like days of each other. They filed wow. patents. Yeah. Really
2: awesome. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah sounds like sabotage because the rules the rules
2: <laughs> changed recently and in, uh, in the last few years with um, patents it, it used to be there there was what was called a uh, a priority date mm. where if you could show evidence in a notebook right for example oh. if you're talking about that i on this date i wrote this and and casey initialed as my witness that that i talked to him about this idea on you know, April 10th, 2011, mm-hmm. that's your priority date. And we waited five years to file, but that's the date we thought of it, and we have this documentation Yeah, so you need it. to prove that
1: you came out with the idea first. Now,
2: patent office said, enough of that. First to file.
1: Oh, First to file there's... owns the idea. But, but that's, that's money. money. <laughs> Isn't it expensive <laughs> to file a patent? But that's
0: kind of the thing between MIT and Stanford, I believe, with yeah. CRISPR is like one of them. There's like a, an ability to pay extra for like a rush Review, mm-hmm. and I think one of them paid for the rush review, and that's the one that was initially given the patent, even though the other one filed it before. So I think that's where the lawsuit was coming in.
1: Uh, that bothers um, me because then it's it has to do with money and pockets, and and that's well, one of the biggest gripes I have there, with technology. Anyways.
2: There are a few things you can pay extra for. One is early publication, and I actually uh-huh. did that on the high jump pad because one of the goals was to to get it out there, um, you know for McKenna to use if she wants in her you know college applications. And, yeah, and Oh, yeah. To, right cuz it that doesn't hurt you, right? If you're no. 17 and you have a, you have uh, a patent, patent application.
1: Yeah, that's you no know, small That's going to help.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so we did pay the early publication on that to just cuz the the timelines are still brutal with the patent yeah. office, right? They're catching up now and it's only a 3 year wait to have the <laughs> exam and look at it. Yeah. So and, and actually cool. it's funny the one that was granted recently, where thought that, you know, we did uh, joint patents with Toyota. And so this one, Toyota's legal department was handling. I thought they just gave up and said, look, we're not going to chase that one anymore. Next thing I know, I get this thing from a company that makes plaques. It says, plaques, congratulations on your patent. I'm like, what? What
1: button? (laughs) And it's like
2: this one I thought Toyota dropped years ago. Yeah. I think what literally happened was an examiner retired and just gave the pile to someone else who just said, Granted, granted. Oh, granted. oh so, maybe. <laughs> something, something hey, happened. That yeah, it got uh, through. <laughs> yeah. Who knows how it works there? So maybe when be. I retire, I'll go be a patent examiner. <laughs> that'd be fun. That would be fun. By the Isn't time that what Einstein did?
0: He worked in a patent office, right?
2: What's that? He, he was a clerk oh, yeah. in a patent office. Yeah, yeah. So there you
0: go.
1: Yep. By then, though, I mean you'll be you'll be an expert. Yeah. After well, all the hoops you've had to jump through.
0: I think we're about out of time. We're over we
2: an are hour. so yeah. Well, that one. I know, right? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, so Midsummer Scream is a week and a half away. Oh my god! Uh, at the Long Beach Convention Center, it's going to be July 29th and 30th. Mm-hmm. Three Sh- Decay Brigade shows each day. Uh, Saturday at 2:30, and I believe it's Classroom A. I want to say I have a class, so come out. I know it's right when. The big Knott's Berry Farm presentation ends, but if you think you're going to be late because you want to join the Knott's panel, come late anyway um, and learn how to make slider gloves. Um, and uh, anything else?
1: No. All right. <laughs> well, that's it. So. Oh, I guess wait. if we're doing meds at we probably shouldn't to do Scarily too. Yeah, well, Not to, to scarily, disc- is, I want.
0: <laughs> scarily is the next weekend, August 5th and 6th mm-hmm. at the Los Angeles Convention Center this year. They're moving from Pasadena to Los Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and come out to our brand new decay brigade booth. We've spent a lot of time designing and coming up with a really cool new booth design. So it's not just going to be, you know, a pop-up with a table. It's going to be something really cool. So come by, check it out, buy some merchandise, you know, support the team. Mm -hmm. Uh, So
1: that's all the logistics part, Jim. Thank you so much for coming and talking about all that stuff. And I mean, for for the audience's sake, like Jim is my I mean he's my family member Thor, but he he's a mentor and a father figure and something very somebody very important in my life. So I'm very glad that you came to visit us. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's Thank been you really both cool for having you. me.
2: Yeah, this was a lot of fun.
1: And
0: uh be sure to follow us on iTunes and on currently on SoundCloud. Who knows what's going to happen with SoundCloud. There's rumors that Ugh. they may be going out of out of business I don't wanna by talk quarter about 4. It. So we may have to move our podcast to a new host, but we'll let you guys know what's going on with that later. Um, Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Tales from the Fog. Mm -hmm. And until next time, we'll see you in the fog. Bye, guys.